0: Today we'll be talking about um, walking in the miraculous. We all have our outlines, right? Walking in the miraculous. You know, um, wh- when I was working on this, I, um, preparing the outline, I, ni- I initially wanted to title it a, a gengen. You know, you know those kind of topics. The way you see it, you say gengen. Then. Somewhere during the day, someone sent me... You know all these funny church programs? Uh, I don't mean it in any way, but I just mean it as it is. He sent me a program from one church somewhere, and the title of their program was Operation Vomit My Dollars. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, what? Operation Vomit My Dollars in church? Okay, okay, okay. So maybe God was telling me, no, don't do any gang topic. Let's just do... It's, uh, Simple, all right? Simple. All right, so praise God. So we're talking about walking in the miraculous today. We're not vomiting dollars. Praise the Lord. All right, our text is taken from John 14, 11 to 14, uh, uh, MSG version. John 14, 11 to 14, it's on the screen. I'll read it. It says, believe me. I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I have been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. Say amen. amen. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whenever your requests whenever you request in this way, I will do. Praise the Lord. So here was Jesus, we all know he's a miracle worker, and uh, I mean what he was telling us in the, in this scripture, it was, it was saying to us that I do miracles. I have performed miracles. You have seen the miracles that I have performed. But guess what? Every of these miracles that I've done, you can even do greater ones. That was the charge he was giving to the disciples there. And that's the same charge he was giving to us, that we can do even greater than what he has done. And, I I mean, that charge brings me to the opening question, or, I mean, the the prompter for today, which is, Have you? I want to ask, have you ever seen or experienced a miracle in your time and in your presence? I'm not talking about in the scriptures. Have you ever seen a miracle in happen in your time, in your presence? Something that you say, no, this is a miracle. Anyone? You've seen? Great, I'm coming. Anybody else? Seen two, three. Just three people, you never experienced any miracles? Eh? Okay, while you are raising up your hands. Oh, choir, all oh, right, choir is always, always informed. All right, so while you are raising up your hands, those of you that raise up your hands, second question Was it you that performed the miracle? Anybody out of you? If you're you're raising up your hand and you're the one that performed the miracle, you want to put it down? Or uh, you want to keep raising it? Ah, come on now. All the hands are down? But why? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, question now is, do you think you can perform a miracle? Because Jesus is saying that all the miracles that he has done, all the miracles that he has performed, that we have, have power, he has given us the ability to actually be able to do it and even more. So, question is: do you think you can perform a miracle? Going by the scriptures. You guys have been quiet on me, oh. You are falling in my hand, you are making me sweat. Inside AC. Do you think you can perform a miracle? Going by scriptures, do you believe the scriptures? Do you believe the scriptures? All right, so do you think that you can perform the miracles or or the type that Jesus has done and even more? All right, so today we'll be talking about how to get into that redeem, how to be able to walk in the miraculous. And God will help us, God will open our eyes to see what, as we ought to see in the name of Jesus. Pastor John Wimber uh, says that the ability to hear what God is saying to see what God is doing and to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy, wit, and dependence upon the Father as Jesus had. So essentially what he was saying here is that the ability for us to be able to, if, if, if we want to perform miracles the way Jesus performed miracles, if we want to be able to do things that Jesus did that he says we can do, we must actually be able to have total dependence on the Father. The same way that Jesus had the total dependence on God. We we, we have to be willing, if if there is an action that has been done, to be able to repeat that action, we must also be able to follow the process that led to that action. So if Jesus had full dependence, total dependence, intimacy with the Father... For him to be able to perform the miracles when he was air on earth, it also means that we also have to follow that route. So, how then do we follow? How then do we follow that route? Praise God. God loves us with an intimacy. Okay, wait, the, the, the answer to, I mean, for us to be able to do what Jesus did, the answer is found in his relationship with the Father. John 14, 12, John fourteen twelve says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So it, it, it implies from this scripture because he's saying that he is going to be with the Father, it means that because he is close to the Father, because he is with the Father, that is what gives him the ability to be able to do what he is saying, meaning that it is all about his intimacy with the Father. God loves us with an intimacy that surpasses all our dreams. You know, when we're talking about a love relationship, love relationship always is usually about some form of intimacy. All right, a man sees a woman. A man likes a woman. A woman, a man falls in love with a woman. A man wants to get married to a woman. Why is all of that? Because a man wants to get intimate with a woman, right? Same thing. Jesus was more or less inseparable from God, and, and the same way God, the same way Jesus loved God, the same way God loved Jesus back. So they were both intimate. God loves us with an intimacy that surpasses all our dreams. No, it's not, I mean, no matter how much you think as a man that you want to be with the woman of your of your dreams, no matter how much we think we want to be, be, uh, be with the person, no matter how big the desire is, trust me, the desire that God has for us to be intimate with us exceeds whatever you think you have today. So look, God... God loves us with an intimacy that surpasses all our dreams. He wants us to have a close personal relationship with him. So today we'll be looking at two char- uh, three characters. We'll be looking at Moses, studying uh, uh, Moses and how Moses developed his intimacy with God. We'll also be looking at David. And finally, we'll be looking at Jesus. Just take a few, a few scriptures and we'll, 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 we'll de- delve into them. So we'll start with the first one. How do you develop intimacy with God? Let's look at David's example. What did David do? For David, it was all about openness, vulnerability, and honesty. Psalm 35, 11 to 18. Psalm 30, 35, 11 to 18. I'll read it very quickly. It says, Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them. But my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were, friend, they were my friends or family. As if I was grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I'm in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me cons- constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. How long, O oh Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect me. My life from these lions, then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before, all the people. so this was david. It was a classic time in his life where he was low, emotionally. things were not working for him It just seemed as if everything around him was failing. But what did he do? because, as we know, the bible God describes david David as a man after my own heart, right so that means David was one that God will consider as intimate to him. So, what did David do? Or what what are the the steps? Or what are the things that he did that made him to become intimate with God? David experienced a low time in his life. He, 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 he He faced opposition. But while he was facing all of these attacks, he faced opposition, he faced unanswered prayers, he faced failure, we'll take them one after the other. But while he was facing all of these attacks, one of the things that David did was that he was honest with God. He was honest. He was brutally honest. If you read, I mean, bring up that same scripture, but if you can open the MSG version, MSG. I mean, MSG has a way of uh, calling those words and br- bringing them come alive. If you can bring up the MSG version. Already, yeah. Is it coming up? Okay. It says hostile accusers appear out of nowhere. They stand, up, they stand up and badger me. They pay me back mystery for mercy, leaving my soul empty. So here was David frustrated. He didn't even know what to do again. He had challenges. He had the people that he was, do, that he, he was showing kindness. The people, according to him, that he was showing some form of mercy. These same people were the ones that were now attacking him, frustrating him. You know, and it was, in this scripture, all he did was, he was just brutally honest with God. He says, when they were sick, you know, part of being honest is that he took his case to God and said it to God as if God, you know, as if God, God didn't know. All right? Remember I would, uh pastor's experience that he shared with us on Sunday? As, you know, as I was reading these scriptures, it just <laughs> it came back to me also. You were all here on sunday right okay majority all right so the same thing that david was doing here he was narrating his ordeal to god Say, say, when they were sick i dressed in black of course god knew but he was saying it back to god again instead of eating i prayed my prayers were, were like lead in my guts like i'd lost my best friend my brother meaning he was saying that look i don't know these people But I prayed for them with so much passion, so much uh, everything inside of me that my my tummy was rumbling. He said, I paced, distraught as a motherless child, hunched and heavy-hearted. But when I was down, these same people threw a party. All the nameless riffraff of the town came chanting insults about me. Like barbarians desecrating a a shrine, they destroyed my reputation. So David was honest with God. He was reporting them. And at the end of the day, what did he do? He said, God, how long are you going to stand there doing nothing? Save me from your brutalities. Everything I've got is being thrown to the lions. This was David unburdening the pain in his heart. Unburdening the pain in his heart. What we're learning here today is that when we come to God, the way David came to God, honest, the way David came to God, just saying exactly how he felt. He didn't come to God pretending. He didn't come to God hiding the emotions that he was feeling. He came to God exactly how he felt. God is our God, is our Father. David knew that and understood that. So he could approach God and say to God exactly how he felt, because you know why? Because he knows that God has got his back. He knows that God has got his back. That God is not a man that will say, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> you know, if you read verse 17, can you bring, bring up that scripture? 17. Imagine David saying this to God. How long are you going to stand there doing nothing? But that was exactly how he felt. And he was honest enough to bring it to God. I said, look, this is how I feel. God, you need to know. Because he's the only God that can suit and heal him. It is only God that can sort him out. So he was honest to God. He had opposition. I mean, he had unanswered prayers, as we've read. He had failures that he had experienced. So he, he took his time and spoke to God about all these challenges because he knows that God, I mean, we, we need to understand when we, when we approach God that God is not surprised or shocked by anything that we say because he already knows. Uh, of course, <laughs> it will be folly to come to God to lie about what did not happen, thinking God will not know. I'm talking about how you really feel about what has really happened. This was what David did. He brought them to God. Question now is, when you go through your trials, when you go through your challenges, when you go through your difficulties, you know those valley periods, what do you do? That's the question. What do you do? We're seeing what David did that improved on his intimacy, that improved on his relationship with God, that brought him closer to God. Because when you are, when, when you are this honest with God... God knows that you have nowhere else to turn to. And the only thing he can do is to draw you closer and sort you out. And God will sort you out in the name of Jesus. So second thing that we must um, do to develop some intimacy with God is that we must grow in wisdom. Wisdom. And this time around, we'll be taking... We'll be studying Jesus. Luke chapter 2, 41 to 52. Luke 2, 41 to 52. It's an interesting story. I'll read. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in a temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her hearts. Verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Even as a child, Jesus had astonishing wisdom. And all that heard him speak or all that heard him do anything, they, they could confirm this. You know, at the, at the house fellowship um, last week uh, or Sunday, my, my house fellowship, we, we just I was discussing with some of my members. And I was saying, I wish there was a book that contained all the things that Jesus did before he became 33 that he started his ministry. I mean, I could just imagine. You know, one of the very first miracles that Jesus did was at the uh, marriage of Cana, where he turned water to wine, right? Now, if you read the story, they came to meet Jesus' mother. Wine has finished. She went to meet Jesus. Wine has finished. Jesus says, what have you? What, how does that concern me? What, what's that to me, you know? And she turned away and said, do whatever he tells you to do. The only way she can be confident that Jesus could sort that out is obviously because maybe when they were at home, miracles was just like this. Maybe when they are eating on the table and there's not enough salt, he just tells Jesus, there's not enough salt in this food. Jesus does like that and salt pops up in the food and the food is sweet. Maybe. She, she, I mean, think about it. Jesus said, what have you to do with me? And he just turned away and said, do whatever he tells you to do. And she walked away. Because she was sure that first 33 years of, of Jesus' life, I'm sure, was filled with miracles. Miracles after miracles. Miracles after miracles. So she was used to seeing Jesus just perform miracles. But I'm, I mean, I'm also tempted to believe that. Jesus doesn't do any miracles just for the sake of doing miracles. There's always a reason. Because I don't think God is wasteful. And definitely Jesus is not wasteful. Which brings me to, you know, we're talking about wisdom. Um, Knowledge. I mean, comparing knowledge and wisdom. Someone said that, Knowledge is knowing what a tomato... I mean, I think it's uh, an European uh, proverb. Says knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. So, let me bring that home. Knowledge is knowing that... Knowing facts. Wisdom is knowing when to apply the facts. Alright? So, for, uh, uh, let me bring that further home. Knowledge is knowing... Your rights as a citizen of Nigeria. Wisdom is knowing that you, ca- you have to pocket your rights as a citizen of Nigeria if a drunk policeman carrying a gun tells you to come out of your car. I'll give you an example, I'll bring it home again. One night, one evening around nine, nine-ish, nine, ten o'clock, I was driving. I was coming from Ekwe. I, I had a truck and I had some it, it was a big truck, I was driving it and had some farm produce in the truck it was full, fully loaded and I had all my vehicle papers, my license everything complete, right? that's my rights, right? and I got to a police checking point I know everybody gives them 200 naira but I don't I normally don't because why should I give them 200 naira? So I got there. The guy said, okay, where is it? I said, where is what? He said, give me your papers. I gave him. He looked at me. He said, what do you have in the boots? I told him. He said, come down. Come and show me. I got down. I opened it. It was a big truck, like I said. I opened it. He said, what is inside? I said, can you see? He said, bring everything out. I want to see what's inside. At 10 o'clock at night. So I just shut the door and gave him his 200 naira and left. That's wisdom. Because I can stay there proving facts. Now, did I do bad? Did I give him a bribe? No. He exploited me. I allowed him. That, you know, wisdom is something that is also important that we need to gather as we want to get into intimate with with God. Wisdom ultimately... Leads to wealth. It's, uh, Proverbs. Uh, I didn't write that uh, note here. Pro- Proverbs talks about that. Folly can never. Foolishness can never. Fo- fo- folly can lead to riches, but folly can never lead to wealth. I don't know if you get that. Folly, foolishness, can end you riches, but it can never end you wealth, because there is a di- major difference between wealth and riches. Wealth is something that can grow. Riches may not necessarily go. It can actually flee. All right. So, uh, like they say, there's nobody that has ever won the lottery that has become successful after the lottery. They always go back to their broke, brokenness. You know, the the the, the Bible even say talks about Nabal, You know, the wife of uh, the husband of um, Abigail, right? What was the name? Ab- Abigail. Yeah, the the, the the wife even said, "Don't mind him. He's a foolish rich man, not a foolish wealthy man." Because wealth usually is transgenerational. Riches never goes far. Praise God. So Jesus was full of wisdom, and he, 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 he displayed this regularly. Praise the Lord. Knowledge, again, is horizontal, like they say, and wisdom is vertical. So knowledge are things that we can gather based on information, based on education, based on uh, the facts or the things that are are around us. But wisdom, usually, is something that you get from God. You, you, You ask for wisdom, and you get it. Praise the Lord. It comes down from above. It's far more important to grow in wisdom than to grow in wealth. Intimacy with the the Father leads to growth in wisdom. Praise the Lord. And that was one of the things that Jesus was trying to get also when he was with the teachers, when he left his parents and stayed back in the temple in Luke chapter 2, verse 39. It says, verse 49b, it says, why, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that I will be in, my, in the dealings with the things of my father? Why are you searching for me everywhere? Didn't you know that I will be in my father's house? Jesus knows where wisdom lies. And Jesus stu- stayed where wisdom is so that he can learn, so that he can learn. Praise God. There are four things about wisdom that comes from intimacy with the father. And we'll be examining uh, how Jesus ran through those four things. Number one, number one about wisdom is that wisdom comes from listening. Wisdom comes from listening. Wisdom is willingness to listen and learn from others. Luke 2.46. Luke 2.46 says that, Three, three, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions, listening to them and asking questions. So wisdom comes from listening. It's commonly said that we have two ears and one mouth, meaning that we should listen twice as much as we speak. So here was Jesus, staying with elders, staying with uh, teachers and listening, asking questions, listening, asking questions. You know, when you, when you ask the right questions, also it, it, it helps with, your, with, with people and what they respond to you. Isaac Newton said, I find intelligence is better spotted when analyzing the questions asked rather than the answers given. I'll say that again. He says, I find intelligence is better spotted when analyzing the questions asked rather than the answers given. So it is important for us, if we want to learn, to also develop the ability to to be able to ask the right questions. It's very important. We want to grow in wisdom. We want to learn things. You need to also know how to ask the right questions at the right time. Often, those who know most speak the least. When we are talking, we are usually merely repeating what we already know. But when we are listening, we, when we are listening, we may learn something new. You never can, you, you, you know. No matter what you think you know, you must be be perpetually ready to learn, to learn, seeking. Never think you are a master. Never think you are a master at what where, where you are. Because there's always someone that knows better than you. Asking good questions is the key to being a good conversationalist. There was a book I was reading some time ago. It's called People Buy You. That's the title of the book People Buy You. And uh, one, of, one, one, one of the few things that I learned from that uh, one of the things that I learned from that book, was how to ask questions, how to ask the right questions. Because when you ask the right questions, you, you force people around you to even begin to think. And when they begin to think, they, they hold you accountable for that they are thinking, for that they are extra effort of thinking. Because when you ask the right questions, it makes people to even... Uh, they, 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 things that they themselves have not thought about they end up thinking about it in more details and providing an answer that helps them and helps you. But you have to be the one to ask. And the truth is that when you find us, when you when you when you make yourself that kind of person, you just realize that you get people adding value around you because they know that you are also gonna be adding value to them. Praise the Lord. It was said of President J. F. Kennedy that he made that he, he made you think he had nothing else to do except you except your questions and it was said of president jf kennedy that it, that he made you think he had nothing else to do except ask you questions and listen with extraordinary concentrations to your answer Meaning, what what what, what this article, I I read it online. It was saying that when when President Kennedy meets anybody, he spends all his energy asking questions and waiting for your answers. Asking questions and listening. They they, they even say that he gives you so much rapt attention that that moment when he's talking to you is as if he forgets his future and just says he's waiting for your answers. Because he wants to learn. He's hungry for learning. It's hungry for learning. So the first thing we need to know about wisdom is that wisdom comes from listening. The second thing we need to know is that wisdom leads to simplicity. Wisdom brings clarity. Jesus knew where he should be and what he should do. He declared, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Because he was wise. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Knowledge leads us from the simple things to the from the simple to the complex. Wisdom leads us from the complex to the simple. Knowledge makes, takes simple things and builds it up and makes it complex. But wisdom takes complex things and makes it simple. Uh, I, I was sharing with um, someone just earlier today how uh, the simple process, the simple process of brushing your teeth, we all know how to brush our teeth, right? Just take a toothbrush, toothpaste, and you're good. Simple, right? Hello? It's simple, right? Now, some people, don't mind me, I'm very, I'm old school at times. Some people desire to make that simple process very complex by creating an automated toothbrush. And I'm still yet to know the people that buy automated toothbrush and they buy it, when it has finished, they go again and buy the same automated toothbrush and buy again. Because I think it's just a nice, oh, I have a I put it in my, uh, it's not something probably you would enjoy doing every day. You would just do it simple, get it out of the way. And that's what knowledge does. Knowledge takes simple matters, makes it complex at times. But wisdom takes complex things and makes it simple. And that's what Jesus did. He said, don't you know, don't make it complex. Why were you going around for three days looking for me? Simple wisdom. You should know. You should have, you've lived with me for, 13, for 12 years. Jesus was 12 then. You've lived with me for 12 years. You should know where my priorities are. You should know what interests me. Wisdom should tell you immediately that I will be in my father's house. Your knowledge is, where can a child be? Where can a child be hiding? So you went to all the playgrounds. You went to all the children's houses. You went to check all the places. Wisdom should have directed straight to my father's house. Praise the Lord. third Third thing we need to know about wisdom is that wisdom is holistic. Wisdom is shown not only in what we say, but also in how we live. Verse 51 says, then, in, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So, because he was wise, it's also reflected in the fact that he was obedient to his parents. Remember I said that the early life of Jesus must have been filled with miracles. So, if, if you have someone in your house that performs miracles, you know, there's a, even if he's a child, there's a ten, ten, tendency that you, you definitely begin to treat this person with special attention and special respect, even if the person is younger than you, all right? But what did Jesus do? Jesus did not use his powers and what God had given to him to begin to override his parents. But what did he do? Because he was wise, he still remained obedient to his parents. So wisdom, is it, 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 we need to be careful as human beings. We cannot say we are wise in some areas and why, not wise in some areas. Wisdom, if you, have, if you are wise, if you are, if you are a wise person, is holistic and actually encompasses your entire life. Wisdom is about the whole life rather than just our intellect or our words. Wisdom doesn't reflect in you having wise quotations and being able to talk, and uh, everybody gets goose, goose pimples. No. Wisdom is reflective in the entirety of our lives. Fourth thing about wisdom is that wisdom should grow. If you are wise and you are not growing, there's a problem. Through his intimate relationship with God, Jesus grew in wisdom. And, stature and in favor with God and people. The same description was used in 1 Samuel 2.26 to describe Samuel that he also grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Wisdom for every one of us is something that we must be growing in even as we grow older. We must be growing in wisdom as we grow older. Praise the Lord. So, the third thing that we need to do, the uh, third character that we'll be studying is uh, it's a long scripture, uh, Numbers chapter 7 from 66 all the way to Numbers 9, 14. We'll be picking here and there. But, so, we won't read it, but we'll be reading uh, the, the these individual scriptures that we want to address. This is talking about the story of Moses and uh, w- when Moses was leading the children of Israel. Um, To to gain intimacy with God, we must learn to be able to stand still and listen. We must learn to be able to stand still and listen. You cannot develop an intimate relationship with God without setting aside time to communicate with Him. If you read if if, you study the life of Jesus, Jesus was always, always setting aside time to be with the Lord, always setting aside time. Even before he started his ministry, he went into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, him alone, and God, just communing. Maybe at that time, God was downloading the manifesto for him. I said, okay, this this is what's going to happen, this is how you are going to do it. But he spent enough time, quality time. So we cannot develop any form of intimate relationship with God without setting aside time to communicate. And this is something that has to be deliberate. Jesus spent 40 days, 40 nights before he started out his ministry. How much time do you commit right now to God? Apart from you come to tribe on Wednesdays, apart from you come to church on Sunday or Saturdays, how much time do you commit to God, just you and God? Because therein lies your intimacy there lies your ability to be able to perform miracles. Number 789. Number 789 says, whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the axe cover, the, pl- the place of covenant. You know, so what, what, what this means is that anytime Moses went deliberately, went inside to speak to God, God was waiting, willing, ready to also speak with him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to commune with us. Like I said, Jesus stayed 40 days, 40 nights, interacting with God. Like I said, again, downloading the manifesto of God, Jesus' ministry to him, saying that before you start, this is what you're going to be doing. So Moses also regularly goes into the uh, tabernacle to commune with God, and God always was willing to talk. So it is an anomaly to think that God is not interested in talking to us. God wants to talk to us. God wants to let us know what he's going to do. He says, will I hide anything from my prophets? Will I hide anything I want to do? No, that's what God is saying. He wants to let us know what he will do. He wants to let us know what he wants to do through us. The big challenge or the main challenge most times is that we are never there to talk to him. We are never there to give him time. We are never there to commit that time. We always say we don't have time, but really... Do we really don't have time? So God spoke to Moses face-to-face, just as a person speaks with a friend, talking and listening at the same time, watching for each other's reaction. The good thing for us nowadays is that we even have the Holy Spirit that gives us a a huge advantage. You know, like the time of Moses, Moses uh, would have to go to a tabernacle, a physical place, So if, for instance, he's traveled out of his domain and he's not close to the tabernacle, that means he can't have the opportunity to talk to God. But today, we have the Holy Spirit living with us, meaning that we, all we just have to do now is commit our time and dedicate our time and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Take the stage. Let's talk. Let's chat. And the Holy Spirit is willing, is willing, is willing to communicate with us. You no longer have to be in a particular place like Moses did, praise God, yeah? You know, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is available as we can see in Romans 8, 15 to 17 and 26 to 27. So this was the pattern that the that God used to speak to Moses. I mean, the the, the pattern on ground at that time was that the Lord spoke to Moses, then Moses told the Israelites, the Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded and on and on, but with And all of that could happen because Moses was the only one that, at that time, that had some form of intimate relationship with God. But all of that, the Holy Spirit has come to change. The good. Another thing we need to know now, while we are standing and listening, while we're, we're, we're waiting for instructions, is that we must. We need to put into practice we need to put into practice the things that god sorry we need to put in practice yes we need to put into practice the things that god has revealed to you in the place of intimacy anything that you have spoken to god and god has said okay this is what i want you to do you need to put it into practice because if you don't action on that if you don't act on that it will actually deny you from further communication. Compliance to the last instruction is what guarantees you the next instruction. If God has said do A, you have not done A, but you are waiting for him to tell you to now do B. No, it doesn't work that way. You need to complete A. Because there are probably some things you still need to learn from the experience of A. Praise God. There are things that you may need to learn from your experience about A. When we stand to listen, there are times that we just need to wait. Numbers 9, 8 gives us an example. Numbers 9, verse 8 gives us an example. When when the... um, I'll read it from verse 7. Okay, no, I'll read it from verse 6. It says, But some of the men had been ceremonially defiled by touching a dead body. So they could not celebrate the Passover that day. They came to Moses and Aaron that day and said, We have become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body. But why should we be prevented from presenting the Lord's offering at the proper time with the rest of the Israelites? So Moses answered, Moses answered, Wait here until I have received instructions for you from the Lord. Praise the Lord. So they were asking Moses a question. Since Moses was the one that had the intimate relationship with God, Moses was the one that knew the heart of God. Moses was the one that knows what God wanted them to do. So they were asking him, okay, God says we should preserve ourselves. It's time for Passover, but unfortunately, we've touched dead bodies, which means we are unclean. So what should we do? Moses didn't have the answers. So what did he do? He told them to wait. Let me consult. Let me find out what God will do. While God wants to talk to us, God also wants us to wait till he talks. God wants us to wait for him. He doesn't want us to rush. As human beings, we at times are tempted to just fly off on our own agenda, fly off on our own thinking pattern and just do what we feel is right at that time. But what did Moses do? Moses said, I will wait and I will ask. When I hear, I will come back to you. And that's what he do. We need to learn to know when we need to pause, when we need to stop. Because it is okay to say no. You don't have the right answer when you don't have the right answer. We shouldn't be pressured in any way. And God will help us as we take cognizance of this field point so i think we've come to the end of the teaching praise god so how do we develop just in summary the things that we need to do to develop intimacy with god one we have to be open be ready to be vulnerable and honest with god secondly we have to know that we must grow in wisdom and finally we have to stand still and listen So the big question, which is the real work, which I I would like all of us to take very importantly today, what will you do differently going forward to improve your intimacy with God to ensure that you begin to walk in the miraculous? What will you do differently? I asked at the beginning of the teaching that the miracles you've experienced, was there any one of them that you were the ones that you, you did the miracles. Because Jesus said we should, we can, we will do miracles. Now, what will you do differently? You, there are three slots there, actionable items. You can write it down. Maybe when you get home, tear it out, paste it on your wall so that you can be seeing it every day. And take action and ask yourself, what will you do differently from today's life? God bless you.